0: like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place, so subscribe and never miss out. Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to thank everyone who's been listening. It means a lot to me that you tune in every week, and uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun doing the show, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. Furthermore, I'd like to thank everyone out there who shared on social media. I see the difference, and it means a lot to me. This next episode features Jeremy Sosville. Most likely you know him as a guitar player in Black Anvil, but he also has another project called Sanhedrin. They're a great bands, and all the hours I spent traveling across Europe and the United States with Jeremy having those discussions about 70s heavy metal, it came to no surprise to me that Sanhedrin sounds the way they do. They're a great, relatively new band. And I hope everyone out there goes and checks them out. If you like the show, once again, please share on your social media. If you want to follow me on Facebook, it's Michael Hill. If you want to get at me on Instagram, it's Michael underscore DC underscore Hill. Those are my two primary social media outlets. And I'm on Twitter Never really do much on Twitter. Everything's kind of automated to post on there um, just because I'm not even really on Facebook that much. basically just post stuff about the podcast and check messages, things like that. But nonetheless, those are my two methods of contact. If you guys want to drop me a line, make some suggestions about things you want to hear, and all that kind of stuff, please feel free.
1: How many years ago have you joined Black Ambassador? I joined in May of 2012, so seven years ago. Uh, initially as a fill in guitar player, uh, they got offered some dates, and Gary, who was the only guitar player at the time, was unable to do them. And so Rafe called me out of the blue and was like, hey, can you help us out? So I tried out. And uh, while we were on that tour, it was with Watain, which is why they didn't want to turn it down yeah definitely uh, not because you're like yeah uh while we we're on that tour they were playing me some demos of what was you know some tracks to become hail death and they were like you know we're looking to add a second guitar player and so that's eventually what happened is i i started as a fill-in guy and i just never got asked to go home <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, yeah, now it's been like you know, seven years. Yep. Uh, Gary has left the band. Yep. And Travis Bacon has joined as the other guitar player. Yeah. Sanhedrin is a band that you started. And during the last seven years, when did this band come into uh, existence?
1: Well, the seeds of the band sort of predate Plaque Anvil for me in a way. Like, uh, me and Nate, the drummer, had been in another band about shit over 10 years ago now and that band broke up but me and him through that band sort of realized that we had like a songwriting connection with each other and so we were always just jamming together when we had free time and then uh we were trying out different people different scenarios and then eventually uh he he had this friend he worked with uh at brooklyn academy of music they're uh, he, cause Nate's a stagehand and Erica was at the time a stagehand and, uh, he brought her in and it's sort of, that's when it's actually started, you know, a couple rehearsals of that, a couple jams together and was like, Oh, this is like, this feels like the most together version of whatever shit we were doing at the time. And then we wrote a few songs together and then it just sort of built from there. How, how many years
0: ago was that?
1: Uh, like 2014 maybe because okay. we, we put out our first demo in 2015 and we had been playing together for you know probably about half a year by then
0: so just to, for the record the band consists of you jeremy sassville on guitar
1: yes and then it's nathan honor on drums and erica stoltz on bass and lead vocals
0: and Erica was in a band prior to this, too. That was, like, some people, you know, would be familiar with that name, I believe.
1: Lost Goat, yeah. yeah. So, if you're from the Bay Area or any number of... I mean, they were road dogs in, like, the early 2000s, from what I gather. Um, so, yeah, everywhere we go, there's usually a few Lost Goat fans. And then, uh, particularly, when we, we flew out to San Francisco, uh, I think, like, early 2018 to play, like show there and in oakland and it was like holy shit like everybody came out because they just were like erica you know yeah that, she, that they were
0: part of that sort of uh, like ludicra yeah um, yeah you know uh hammers of misfortune uh you know, actually Amber erica
1: was in the original lineup of hammers of misfortune yeah. for i guess their demo from what yeah. i understand i could have that wrong but
0: there, there's a ton of great bands in that area yeah um actually i don't know I don't know if you were you in Black Anvil when there was supposed to be a tour with Mayhem, Tombs, and Ludicra and Black Anvil. I don't know. It was like uh, it might have been. That, that one was doesn't a long time sound right. familiar. Yeah. Mayhem canceled. And then it just. Ended oh, up wait.
1: Raining. Yeah. I didn't know Ludicra was going to be part of that. Yeah. I, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like I was. Downwind from that. That was when Mayhem was not yet. They, they were, like, trying to get themselves back together the right. way they are now, but they hadn't quite gotten there yet or something? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Like, they were still, like, kind of... Still more or less obscure, almost, with some people. Like, they remember reading about Mayhem, but they, right. they hadn't put out any of the records they put out since mm, then. Okay. So. so, stylistically, knowing you personally... Yeah. You know, we've been on the road together and talked mm-hmm. about music, and, and I, I kind of know, you know musically where a lot of your influences come from when i heard uh sanhedrin i was like yeah this is like pretty pretty cool
1: (laughs) i I get that a lot like people are like oh yeah that that makes sense that you would play a band that sounds like that
0: (laughs) so so where does where does the inspiration come from i mean like let's you know maybe share with some of the listeners like what kind of stuff like informs the music that you're writing right now
1: it kind of there was no plan because right now there's like this sort of boom with so-called traditional metal going on with a lot of people which is working out in our favor for sure but there wasn't necessarily a conscious decision to be like let's start a band that sounds like a certain era or a certain thing it was just sort of this is what kind of comes together when these three people are in a room now that said we all love Ozzy and Dio and Sabbath and Kiss and Priest and UFO and Scorpions and I could go on so a lot of that certainly informs it and then uh, you know I, I I'm definitely a student guitar wise of the the, you know sort of the guitar heroes of like the 70s and early 80s like the, the people who were called shredders before Ying put that sweet picking neoclassical spin on it like I don't really mess with that kind of stuff personally when it comes to as a fan or as a player in particular. I've never felt compelled to learn how to sweep pick, per se, because it's just never been a moment in a song I've written where I've been like, oh, you know what this needs. (laughs) There's
0: a couple of six sweeps in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I appreciate the discipline it takes to play like that, but uh, just not my shit. Because I hear you know like Michael Shanker,
0: Yuli uh, Roth, like that kind of thing going on with what you're in your style, and that's just from being being on the outside. And- yeah,
1: no, uh, Michael Shanker is definitely a top influence, kind of a la Kirk Hammett. Because I would be reading interviews with, I mean, I got into a million bands because of I'm reading interviews with Metallica, and I'm talking about like Misfits, Thin Lizzy, Scorpions. Like I knew the Scorpions, but I didn't know there was that period of the scorpions predating like you know blackout yeah yeah blackout right so yeah i just sort of backtracked with all the bands that i liked to see what they were into and uh yeah so so shanker i got into shanker sort of later than uh like probably in my early 20s and it was right around the time i was starting to develop my own voice as a, a lead guitar player. And then I was like, oh, man, this guy, you know, we're using a lot of the same boxes, if you will, and, and scales and stuff like that. And so what once I heard him and dove into it, because my dad was always like, oh, you got Michael Shanker rules. I'm like, yeah, whatever, Dad. And then one day I hear it, like, with a clear head. I was like, oh, man, this is, like, the best shit ever. And so I definitely uh, pull inspiration from him. Left and right at this point. <laughs> now,
0: which which uh, era of
1: Shanker? Like, the MS, MSG? Nah, or, or, you know, UFO, uh, UFO yeah. for sure. Um, just like, I, I haven't dove into MSG at this point, but just those UFO records, yeah. every, every one that he did, there's just something about his style. And the fact that, you know, while it's heavy metal in a sonic sense, they branch out and sort of do a bunch of, you know, just... Different kinds of songs, you know, like then Lizzie would do different types of songs. It's not just one type of song. So that's another thing that Sanhedrin kind of takes uh, takes a lot of direction from, if not directly. It's just the idea that we want every song to be its own identifiable thing, as opposed to, you know, one sound all the time.
0: Now, to date, how many releases do you guys have out?
1: Uh, two full lengths. We did a demo in 2015, but it, I would consider that. Yeah, not quite a release, so much as something to put up so people would start asking us to play, <laughs> or if we, we did a cassette version of it to have something at the merch table. So And all those songs have wound up on both records at this point. so So 20, September 2017 was the release date for a Funeral for the World." Uh, that record we self-released, um, and then it was later picked up by our current label for at least for vinyl represses and stuff. And then the record we put out in February of this year is called The Poisoner. And that's the one that's sort of we've been touring on for this this particular year. Like we put it out, and like a week later, we were in Europe and kind of learning how much they love heavy metal (laughs) over there firsthand in a way that I wasn't really aware of before. When we put out the first record, the band camp sort of was our only outlet for it. And then one day we just started noticing all these Germans buying our record and we're like, what the hell is going on here? And then eventually we found out later we were featured in a magazine over there and, you know, it just sort of snowballed. Like it was a DIY release that, you know, kind of bought us our freedom to do whatever we wanted after and kind of be choosy about who we partner with to going forward. So, what label are you guys on right now? We are on Cruz del Sur Music, which is based in Rome, Italy, uh, and they kind of specialize in old school style heavy metal. Um, they have a lot of U.S. bands on their label, uh, but many people in the U.S. are not as aware of them as uh, as one would one would hope. That's starting to change. There's we've helped with that, I think, and a couple other bands um plus the you know he was putting out stuff like us long before it became this kind of current trend and so i think people are starting to come around to to that label
0: yeah that's pretty cool i've always known that europe particularly germany like power metal and like traditional heavy metals like always been huge there you know hence like the the big festivals in the summer
1: yeah yeah no it was cool like we we before we even got signed, we got asked to, to do a festival just based on our first record called Hell Over Hammerberg. And uh, I don't know if you saw that photo I put up with me and Uli John Roth. Well, um, I was I was yeah. going to lead into that. So <laughs> what, what's the deal, man? How was that going okay. over there? What's the whole story? So, yeah, we initially we got hit up from the guy who works for Deaf Forever Magazine. His name is Wolf. And he was like, I run this... You know, That's I a re- sick name, by the way. Of Wolf. course. <laughs> yeah. So we... We put out the record, and then he was a, he contacted us a few days after. We're like, where the hell are all these German orders coming from? Like in terms of exposure, how did all these people find out about us? And then uh, he's like, hey, my name's Wolf. I featured you in this magazine I run, which I had never heard of, because uh, I have a limited breadth of knowledge over at the time over what was going on over there and he's like i run this festival called Hell over Hamburg we'd love for you guys to play and then i was like i checked out their you know website and their facebook page i was like oh this is like legit <laughs> i'm like this is pretty cool and so yeah we were like yeah sure we'll we'll play the festival uh you know and then uh his response was cool thank you for accepting by the way we think you should be signed to a strong european metal label i was like Well, so do we, you know, anybody. (laughs) And that's who introduced us to Enrico, who we deal with now. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's all been this sort of like super organic process of like starting from the garage, essentially, and just slowly kind of things falling almost magically into place. That's great, man. And so, yeah, we, we got with Cruz del Sur, um, came to a deal where he would repress our album through his label, um, the the first album. And then it was sort of a handshake deal that he would put out our second album. And then uh, while we were working on our second album, it was like, you should have this ready by uh, February of next year so that you can do a tour around this festival, which was weird. I've never done a record where you kind of have a projected deadline like that. Uh, And then... Yeah, so we went over there. We went to Germany and uh third show of the tour is Hell Over Hammerberg. We're playing the main stage in front of about a thousand people. And I was surprised at the percentage of them who knew the words to our music. It was it was like it was like a dream in a way. That's it was, awesome. It was very surreal. It was awesome. Like yeah. it wasn't but yeah, it was just like it was like, you know, you, you get on the airplane in New York and you're a guy who's, you know, Working his day job, and you know, you're just going to Europe with your friends to play some shows, and then you get on stage. You know, three days into a tour, and you're living this experience that you equate to you know something much bigger than that. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So,
0: and how was the the tour? Were you you guys headlining all the dates, or were you packaged it? Was, it band? was
1: a co-headline tour with this band Gatekeeper, who are uh, on the same label as us, and. Yeah, the idea was like, hey, let's put you guys on a tour together if you're both – they were playing the festival as well. And so the tour in general was pretty good, Uh, particularly mainland Europe. We did play uh, the U.K., which is tough, as you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, How
0: many dates in the U.K. did you play? Four
1: dates in the U.K. And uh, so there was a lot – towards the end of the tour, there was some brutal travel. Like we went from Germany to Greece – we so had to he, fly you, to Greece. I was
0: gonna say you must have flew, right? Fly
1: to Greece, played up the Hammers Festival, which was really awesome, and then a day off in Athens, which was cool. And then we fly to the UK, four dates in the UK, and then you know last show, run every rush everything in the van, drive. I think it was like nine hours to Mannheim for the next the show <laughs> the oh, next man, day. Dude, yeah. So by the time the tour was done, we were we were toast, like you know energy wise. But it it was just what the band needed i think to kind of take us if you rode, if, if you had a management company that was like this is how you you know go start a record cycle it was the way to do it you know put out the record and a week later you're over in your best market you know getting in their faces and i i feel pretty strongly about our live show that uh you know compared to like the sound you hear on the record and stuff um so things went well yeah
0: so now that travel from Athens to England, to to London, I imagine you guys flew into Gatwick Airport or something like that. Uh, it was Gatwick. Yeah, so we, I, I know that route, man. And
1: then, <laughs> but the tour started in, I think, like Manchester or something. Oh, man. So we get so picked you, up in oh, London, Jesus, but then man. we dro- had to drive up to, was it Manchester? I don't know. Maybe it was, it, we played Newcastle, Glasgow, and... London maybe it was it must have been Manchester yeah it was Manchester yeah that that
0: flight though the flight on that into Gatwick Airport is it one of those flights where there's no assigned seats you just it's like a flying bus kind of no
1: we had assigned seats we all sat together it was Ryanair (laughs) which is uh not well renowned and well regarded but we were just like just get us there
0: (laughs) we one time we I've only been to Athens once but the the route from we actually did it reverse. We flew out of London from Gatwick into Athens, and we were on some cheapo flight where mm. there's first come first curves, first come first serve seating. Oh wow! It was like a
1: flying bus. It's like almost. the Greyhound. It was
0: like the Greyhound, wow. flying Greyhound. It was or, or even like a flying uh, Peter Pan bus
1: or yeah. something like that. For all you listening who think that what we do is super glamorous, just <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
0: no. You're like you're basically like a, treated like a homeless guy when you're yeah, like,
1: yeah. We essentially are a homeless guy <laughs> you know crashing on crash on bunk beds every night and eating whatever whatever people are generous enough to feed you,
0: you know all these years I've never really figured out what they like in England, you know what I mean It's like yeah, you know you you, you commented that some of those shows were like maybe London was probably good London was right? good, it was you also know? free,
1: so oh, that helped okay. <laughs> but it was right in camden like it yeah. was a it was a, it was a good show, yeah,
0: but I've never in the last like two decades of touring i've
1: never really figured out what people in england like really i think it's kind it reminds me of the states in a way where i think there's just such a diversity of competition with other music genres for one mm-hmm. uh whereas europe and especially germany and like austria stuff like that is heavy metal is so ingrained yeah. into the musical culture there compared to you know country like ours or uk where there's you know this all this diversity of you know dance music right. and hip-hop and all this other stuff that it almost seems like the only way to you know to really latch on there or to play in front of bigger crowds it would be to be supporting a band that's like super established right like i'm sure mastodon doesn't have a problem filling big rooms in the uk <laughs> probably not probably yeah. not at this point yeah, but in terms of the underground grind, yeah, you're. We were playing to you know 20, 30 people most shows, except for you know the London show was packed and Glasgow was actually pretty good. I found Scotland to be, uh, quite a bit different experience than playing England yeah
0: I think so too except I have a harder time understanding people in Scotland yeah
1: well the secret is to drink more <laughs> which, I, which was advice given to me by a, an uncle he was like he lived in Scotland for a while and he was just like you know it's weird but the more you drink the easier it is to understand them so I and it was my birthday the last time I was there so I definitely put that theory to the test <laughs> so
0: I want to return yeah. to the festival in Hanover because you Hamburg or Hamburg yeah, sorry you briefly mentioned Yuli Roth. I did. Okay, so what's the, what, there's a photograph of you two. Yeah, yeah. What's so, the story?
1: So I didn't know he was going to be there, which is probably for the benefit of me having a super fanboy embarrassing moment, which I'm happy to say didn't happen. Uh, I w- we had already played, and uh, so the headlining band the night we played was Night Demon from California. And uh, they're quite, quite popular in Germany. And uh, they were having Uli do a guest, guest solos on a couple old Scorpions songs. They did some Scorpions covers, and he came out with that sky blue crazy guitar he plays. But prior, I didn't know that. I just went backstage to get a beer. And some guy in one of the other bands that we were playing with was like, Yo, Uli John Roth is here. I was like, get the fuck out of here. I turn around and there he was, and it was like it was like seeing an orb, you know, because he's just got that mystic yeah. vibe yeah, about like him anyway. The headband, the headband, on and, and like the 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 the, the long the bell you know. bottoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just I had just a, enough beer in me to like be brave enough to say hi, but uh, not enough to uh, embarrass myself. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I was just like, you know, hey, man what the hell are you doing here? And then he explained. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we just sort of, I just, what I said was, uh, thank you for your contributions to all this, to, you know, everything that we all do so we could all have a night like tonight. And he was very gracious. I asked if I could take a photo with him, and he was, he was totally cool. And then that was it. It was about a 30-second yeah. exchange. I just wanted to have have my moment with the legend, the guy who, you know, Whenever I pick up my strap, I'm trying to pull, <laughs> pull his summon, moves. Summon that. Uh, yes, yeah, summon yeah. that Uli energy.
0: Yeah, for those of you out there who don't know who the fuck we're talking about, which I find hard to believe. Shameful. <laughs> I I think Uli Roth's the era that Uli Roth played in Scorpions is probably my favorite era of the band. And that's not to say that I do not enjoy the Matthias Jabb version of the band that that is known for the '80s records. Yeah, yeah. You know but for me those records you know in trance uh that that's like the, the, my favorite go-to scorpions records you know
1: yeah and uh, you know i i didn't get introduced to him till later because when i was growing up i was born in 1982 so the scorpions in my ether was that era you, right. you know the jabs era and it was all perfectly good stuff but then when i went back kind of like when i went back and learned about UFO. Yeah. Once I wanted to dig deeper into this music, uh, you know, you dig deeper into those Scorpions records with, with Uli Roth and you're just like, oh, damn. It's like, it's a totally different animal in so many ways.
0: Yeah, it's like Hendrix with like that classic, Euro- classical European yeah. like vibe. There was like, but there's definitely like a psychedelic, like mm-hmm. thing going on, maybe because of the strat and the whammy yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: I think his approach was, yeah, it was just like Hendrix was from outer space, and then Uli Roth was sort of taking that alien approach to guitar playing, but also that European refinement to it. That was, I mean, at the time he was doing it, it was pretty much unheard of.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and like I, I, similar to you, I mean, I, I found out about the
0: Scorpions about like Blackout and all those records. Yeah, and, and you know, but. I was uh, lucky. where are at the town, the small town of Carmel, New York, that I grew up in. We had uh, proximity to uh, Trash American Style and Danbury, which is like a punk underground, you know, record store. Oh, cool! And then there was a, a local thing called the Book and Record Store. That what? A, what are what was, they sold? They sold books and. Records. <laughs> and whoever was the buyer for music there yeah. was totally on the same page that I would would eventually be on. Apparently. Okay, so. Yeah, was like you know, Conan. You. Yeah, he was a future me. They had Conan, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, nice. You know, comics. Like like trade paper racks, not individual, you know, like like collected editions of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then the 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 rock section had, you know, Motorhead, all those like old school like Scorpions records. You know, the Ramones, yeah. like stuff oh, like that. A lot of that
1: would have been probably imports too. Yeah. yeah. So I got a lot of
0: it was like that nice the nice price, you know, like four ninety nine yep, yep. or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. I think I got Virgin Killer that oh, wow. for like four ninety nine or something. You know, and that's so once I heard Blackout, I went back and I was like, All right, you know, this is like I have to know everything about this band. Right, right. You know, they had cassettes and all this stuff. So it was but yeah, that's always been my favorite era of the band. So it's cool that you met him, man. Yeah, yeah. Duh, trust me. Yeah. So you are also, you mentioned when I first arrived here, you mm-hmm. mentioned that you guys are going back to Europe again.
1: Uh, yeah, a couple of times. So as of today, today's July 21st, as we're uh, recording this, uh, we're going to headbangers open air on, well, we're flying out, uh, this week we're playing July 25th, uh, for this outdoor festival from what I'm told it's this guy who just owns some property about 20 miles outside of Hamburg like a farm Mm -hmm. and he's a metalhead and so he just does his field of dreams every summer that's great man and so the day we play uh Queensryche is actually the headliner and so that is a band that I can directly cite as an influence at least to me uh with Sanhedrin and in general so it'll be really cool to kind of share a bill with them and it's not like we're playing first and then eight bands later they're playing we're we're like two bands apart nice yeah so i'll get to play and then you know put on a a dry shirt (laughs) and then uh grab a beer and then watch queensreich play to uh finish out the night in germany and then uh in september which is probably more relevant to anyone listening is uh we're going on tour with spirit adrift in europe for about two and a half weeks. I think it starts September 12th. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that kind of pairing. It's kind of serendipitous. Uh, Black Anvil played one of the first ever Gate Creeper shows. Okay. And so we've known them. I've, I've known them at least peripherally for a long time. And then we played with them in Europe. And now we'll, my other band, Sanhedrin, will be playing their first ever European tour. Spirit of Drifts. First yeah. European tour which features uh at this point like two or three guys that are also in Gate Creeper. Oh, so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I only know the name. I'm not that familiar with their music. Is it uh,
1: like, Yeah, it's sort of uh it's like I would call it like heavy metal doom. Okay. It's so like candlemass or something like yeah, that. Yeah, candle mass. A little more uh it's like a candle mass, but also you could tell they, you know, it's informed by more modern stuff like Paul Bearer or chemist oh, Okay, yeah. I don't know if they cite either of those bands influences, but it's along similar lines but more, you know, metal influenced than either of those two bands. Yeah, those other
0: two bands are a little, you know, they're they're
1: less metal and
0: more like whatever, like kind of like torch or something like
1: yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Spirit of Drift is more like, you know, you you can tell they love Metallica and okay, Iron cool. Maiden yeah. and also like Thin Lizzy and stuff like that. It's very very cool, riff oriented, uh, but still big, roomy sound. Nice, you know. Should not, check them out. Yeah, not so thrash. W- yeah, yeah. Their new record, in particular, I think, is the best stuff that they've done so far. Uh, nice. So that, and that's that's what they're going to be touring on, coming up.
0: And is there any new material in the works
1: right now? Yeah, kind of always. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah, we, Sanhedrin, kind of makes it a point to rehearse even when we don't have stuff going on. I've, I've been in other bands where it's like, we'll rehearse when there's a show or a tour, or we want to start writing the next record or something like that. Whereas Sanhedrin's always sort of writing the next record. So I would say right now we have about three or four songs that are at least skeletally there, not vocally, maybe not details, but stuff where we're like, we're starting to, figure out the direction and just yeah we our goal i would i think a realistic goal would be sometime in 2021 having our third album out nice which works out well because 2020 has a lot of black anvil stuff lined up it seems so nice
0: that's good yeah that approach to writing i find when i talk to other people that do it that way it seems like you the, the material has more of a, a bandwidth of different things going on you know what i mean like if sometimes bands are like oh yeah we're we're in this this next month we're gonna write our new
1: album yeah and then everything
0: kind of sounds like similar because you're in that same mindset you know what yeah I mean? yeah
1: it, i could see where that happens yeah it, well, i mean there are times where like you, you can bust out six songs in like a month right and then there are times where it takes a song six months to be written. Exactly. Or to be even figured out skeletally. Where are like, oh, okay. Or or maybe it takes that long to figure out that that song's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's another option um, too, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think with us, uh, it's cool to work that way. Because it it's also, when you're just rehearsing set lists or rehearsing, yeah. Like right now, we're rehearsing set lists for tour dates primarily but at the end of those rehearsals we'll take a five or ten minute break and be like hey let's go back to that stuff we were working on some new stuff because it's important to all three of us to just have that going on it's sort of what we all agree that's the most rewarding part about being in the band together is the process of creating this music you know playing it live's great putting out a record you're proud of is definitely awesome but the process of just congealing the pieces together to get to the point where that even there is none of that without a you know the songs. Yeah. So. That's my
0: favorite part of the whole band experience really is yeah. is the writing cuz like you know I I kind of you mean, know, I love practicing and getting ready for stuff and you know but it does become a bit um you know t- uh, sort of tedious when you're just practicing the, yeah. the tours and stuff. Yeah.
1: Practicing know? and answering fucking emails. Yeah. And, getting merch orders and all that stuff all that none of that is like what you're thinking about when you're now nah. 12 13 years old learning how to p- play guitar you're, you're picturing yourself you know on those stages with your friends or whoever but I, I also i just
0: really my favorite all-time part is like when you have those new pieces of the songs and you're listening to them in your living room yeah and you're like okay You know, let's do this like four times. Let's cut this part sucks. Cut that out. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the drummer's like, Nah, man. That's we just maybe if we just do this like in a different tempo. Oh yeah,
1: no. Nate's really good with that. Yeah. Like I'll come in with a riff, and I'll have because when you write a riff, you know, we're both guitar players. Yeah. You have a drum beat in your head. Exactly. You know, and then I'll come in, and I'll play Nate a riff without telling him what I'm hearing in my head for a drum beat, and he'll do something totally different. And at first, sometimes I'm like, what the hell are you doing? But then, like, you know, he'll either be like, trust me, or I'll kind of just listen again and, you know, see if it works. And then that collaborative. Well, that's what you were saying of- earlier,
0: that you guys have this, like, you know, chemistry with writing songs. Oh, yeah. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah. It basically. I very rarely have come in with a song totally completed, and that's by design. I have done that where I'm like, This is, (laughs) I hate to do it because I hate pulling that dictator move, but I, you know, there's been a time or two where it's like, this is the song, this is, you know, we're not changing anything, it's done, it all came out of me and, you know, this, it just, this is how I feel it works best. But most of the time, it's just like a couple of parts and then we all start just rapping to each other, like is this part a verse or a chorus? Well, Erica being the vocalist will, you know, likely be the dick, you know, dictate what, you know, who determines that. Mm-hmm. Um, do we need to play this part? You know, do we need this part? Does this part sound too much like something else, which is a very dangerous thing to do when oh, you're yeah. playing music. That's so rooted in classic stuff. Like we are, there've been times where I've, we've written songs and I'll be like, hey, guys, we kind of have to scrap that riff because I was listening to Raven the other day, and it turns out they already wrote that riff, and uh, it's too much. It's too close, you know? Yeah, I hear you, man, definitely.
0: Do you have any input on the lyrics, or is that all Erica's domain?
1: Uh, It's primarily Erica. Uh, To this point, we've... I think Nate and her have collaborated on some lyrics. Uh, Sometimes Erica... There's been a time or two but very rarely where she'll just look for guidance on something like that but most of the time she's she's the prime 90% of the lyrics come from her and I would say close to 100% of the time there's no revision requests coming from the band cuz she just comes in with such refinement with what she's singing uh and how she's singing it that it's just just like let that go now, when we were trying to uh, organize the time to do this, yeah.
0: you mentioned that you guys played a show up in Plattsburgh, or, or no, Albany. Or actually, it wasn't Plattsburgh,
1: it was but Albany, it, but it was a J. Crack. It was, it was a J. Crack promoted show, J. Crack being our contact from Plattsburgh, both yeah. of us. I seen Mike Hill play <laughs> in a garage in Plattsburgh, New York, technically Morrisonville, New York, in like... 2000 2001 because i was in college at the time yeah yeah that was my first encounter with this gentleman across the table that was uh plattsburgh was like a cool little town
0: to play that i i feel like for like a couple years like a lot of bands were going through i mean brutal truth played there yeah yeah like
1: we had uh yeah darkest hour played a show in that garage totally man it was just kind of a because of where it's located it's about an hour and a half, two hours to Montreal. It's about equidistant to Albany. Uh, it's close enough to Boston, so it's like one of those, sh- one of those places where, like, if you're on tour and you have a day off in between those cities and you're not sure what to do with it, you could go there. But uh, they just had a scene there that was really unique, like super underground. Yeah. There was like
0: they're all outlaws, those guys. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, they they
1: lived it. It was they were all living in a house next to a scrapyard. Uh so no families wanted to live there. So they got that place dirt cheap because you shared your driveway with the scrapyard. Yeah. And uh which kind of added to the vibe <laughs> Definitely in vibe, general. Vibe. But yeah, there was a lot of a lot of those like relapse bands were coming through there. Uh a lot of and super underground like crust and just like anarcho yeah type of stuff. A lot of death metal. Yep. Just like bands that eventually would go on to do bigger stuff, or even bands that were already kind of had a profile. I feel like Burnt by the Sun played. Actually,
0: there. I was going to add to this that Burnt by the Sun on their first few shows were played with us. There. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That okay. was like one of their first shows was at
1: that garage. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was a great so, place, man. Yeah, yeah. So Jay uh, has since relocated to Albany, and uh, he's been managing this little club called Polly's Hotel, which is actually. The oldest bar in Albany. Uh, he has got. He showed me a picture when I was up there of Muddy Waters playing there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, just like this little hole in the wall, kind of no bigger than, like, you know, the Acheron was in terms of capacity. But it's more like a traditional bar that's got a stage in the back. And, yeah, he's working really hard to kind of make that place uh, a similar thing where it's just like a, a place for the DIY scene to, you know, to, to have a spot. Either through local band, local local bands there, or bands passing through, or in my case, he was just like, "Hey, I got this spot. You guys want to play a show? I'll buy you pizza and a pitcher of beer." And I was just like, "Hell yeah!" And then I had friends from my hometown and my, my dad and shit like came down. Well, what town are you from? Are you from? I am from Messina, New York. Okay, which is in between the 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 northernmost part of the Adirondacks and the, the border with ontario and quebec like my town has a uh, crossing into ontario uh it, it's a great place to live and learn how to become a guitar player because it's, it's winter for about six months and you're just like stuck in your house with nothing else to do but, yeah up, upstate new york is like that it's uh yeah
0: you're you're um that that's I, i'm a big fan of upstate new york i mean
1: I tell people that I come from
0: upstate, but I'm not really. I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah, not, I know where Carmel like, is. Yeah, like, you guys. We, we,
1: like where we are. I mean, it's all downstate from where we are. Yeah. But even so, like, Carmel's like it's upstate Hudson, if you live here. Yeah. If you it's, live in New York, it's upstate. Yeah. Like New York yeah. City, you know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but it's a cool area. It's very do what thou wilt up there. Yeah. In terms for sure. of just culturally, like, there's a lot of, you know. Whatever your neighbor does, you just sort of like he's him and I'm me, and it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it. it, 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 There's a lot of uh, in a city. There's a lot of you know putting on airs with your you know the people that you hang with and the people that are around you to make sure you're socially this or that.
0: You you might have to not wear socks with your loafers or something. Yeah, yeah. There, it's just
1: like that's my neighbor. He's he's got a ten foot fire going made out of pallets and then uh you know often you know i grew up in town so we didn't have to i had neighbors right next to me but it's just a very even politically like it's more just like it's not really left or right leaning it's just like they don't know they don't give a shit about us so why should we give a shit about them (laughs) but yeah just a very kind of unique area of the country that most people don't even think about or know about
0: i'm glad crack is out there doing stuff in albany because albany can be a really tough town to play in you know yeah if you're not you know of a specific genre of music there i know that like in the years i played in albany it's been like a very like uh you know kind of tough guy hardcore dominated it was especially
1: in like the late 90s early 2000s yeah there was there was a scene there for sure and
0: uh you know or i mean death metal shows i think did pretty good there Yeah Um, But yeah it's
1: been like this Like kind of tough town To gig in though If you're doing something Different than that Upstate in general to me Has always been hit or miss And I think a lot of it Comes down to how well curated The show is uh, Whether or not you're competing You know God forbid you're competing With like a A show at the Chance Or something in Albany Well Albany The Chance is in Poughkeepsie But you know If Soulfly is playing In (laughs) Poughkeepsie The night you're playing Albany Like you're kind of screwed Yeah that's Um, Yeah but it, it was cool to go up there, for sure.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. So how's this, this fucking heat wave is killing me,
1: man. I'm not... I haven't left the house, but to uh, go... I went to Home Depot this morning to procure these clamps for the Sanhedrin backdrop. Nice. And it was like 7.30 in the morning. It was and, like 89 and it degrees. was blazing already. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not into it. Uh, you know, it, it, th- this city in particular is a hard place for... To, to spend summer because there's no escape and then you compound that with the piles of garbage on the sidewalk and the dead animals you know pigeons and stuff and any number of other things that don't react well to heat and create an unpleasant odor <laughs> <laughs> including your fellow human beings so, where can
0: people find information about the band? Like what's all your all your social sure. media, websites, label stuff?
1: Well, we, we have a website as sort of a pivot point where you can, on, on our website, which is www.sanhedrin.nyc. Uh, that's kind of the pivot point. That's got a link to all that stuff. Uh, if you want to buy our music, the best place is our band camp. If you want to check out what we have coming up, the best place is our Facebook page or our Instagram and all that stuff is linked from that website. Uh, there's a link to our Spotify page if you want to stream our stuff to check us out uh, before you before you buy or never buy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the... So Sanhedrin.nyc, that's, that's the best place to go.
0: In addition to those European dates, do you have anything uh, coming up in the States here?
1: Uh, nothing right now. We're sort of trying to plan something for 2020, but there's... Nothing... Oh, wait. What am I talking about? I'm going to the West Coast. We're going to the West Coast in August. I'm so busy, I don't know what I have going on. I'm like the busiest guy you ever met on paper. It's really not that hard to manage, though. (laughs) Uh, It's not as hard as it looks. Uh, We will be in uh, all kinds of cities on the West Coast from August 2nd till August 9th. The tour starts in L.A. and ends in Portland, and it's pretty much just from L.A. north. Right on the i fi tour. i five tour. <laughs> just
0: just you guys or another? Band? Uh, we
1: are going out with Sloughfeg. Oh yeah, uh, which are label mates of ours. They've been doing the traditional heavy metal thing for almost thirty years now. I think they're from San Francisco, which yeah. is how we know them uh, through Erica, uh, another original Hammers of Misfortune member, Mike mm-hmm. Scalzi. Yep, uh, and then uh, coming along with us is this new band from L.A. called Void Vader. It's a cool name. Yeah,
0: what, that's where the where they all about.
1: Uh, I think they're just you know darkness, fist pumping, heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being in voids, cool partying. Well, Jeremy, well, Mike. aka Sauce. Yeah, <laughs> thanks
0: uh, for your time. Thanks and, for uh, coming over, man. Yeah, man, take care. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio weekly podcast. Tune in next week to see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android for one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews with artists, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care
1: i